Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, and making his triumphant return to the podcast once again is Jordan Climac to break down everything going on in Brown's world. It has been a crazy last couple weeks in Brown's land and beyond. Jordan, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. Just trying to keep up with everything that's going on. Uh, first of all, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, like I said, just trying to keep up with all the news, man. There's a lot going on right now. It's not like we have anything to talk about or anything on this podcast, right? <laughs> just one one or two uh, things. Uh, let, let's let's start, with, I, I think, with the most obvious place, which is the, the trade for Deshaun Watson. What was your initial reaction when, you know, after it, it seemed like the Browns were out of things that, it, you know, the, the reporting all of a sudden shifts and that the, the Browns are indeed trading for Watson. And then we found out the compensation and all that later on, but what was your reaction to all of a sudden the Browns making that uh, ultimate move to, to trade for Watson? Um, shocks. Absolutely shocks. It happened during our, our show. So it happened live. Um, I actually oh, announced wow. the news on uh, 850 ESPN Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, peel back the curtain for a second. I mean, that was probably the craziest half hour to hour of my career so far. Um, just news of that magnitude happening when you kind of have to deliver it uh, was something that I had never experienced. So it was a lot of shock um, running around like crazy, trying to get this guest, trying to get that guest, and Schefter hopped on, all this stuff. Um, but my initial reaction to the news, Henry, I, I, I first happened, I, you know, I, I used TweetDeck. And uh, shout out to TweetDeck, use TweetDeck. Uh, if you don't use TweetDeck, it's great. Um, so all my news, ha- like all the tweets come in, you know, right, a- right after one another. And I saw the Schefter tweet come in maybe 15 seconds after he tweeted it. And immediately I'm clicking on it. I was like, is this, you know, all those fake Adam Schlefter, this, that, and the yeah. other, those, those fake accounts. I was just like clicking on it and like, this has to be fake. There's no way this is real. And then like two minutes later, Rapport had it, like everyone started. I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Um, shock. Um, conf- I'm conflicted. Uh, as a Browns fan, I don't really know how to feel. And that's disappointing because this is probably the biggest trade in the history of the franchise. And I've been preaching my whole existence and 27 years on this earth and 27 years as a Browns fan, like go all in on a guy, like go all in on a season, give up what you need to let's try and win a Super Bowl. And they finally did it and you can't really celebrate it. So it's hard. I, I, you know, we're almost a week after the fact and I still don't really know how to feel. Um, so initial shock, Henry, and then kind of just the past couple of days, just been trying to, you know, understand what's going on, kind of, you know, approach it from a Browns fan standpoint. And I still don't know where I come out on it. So it, it's, it's hard. It, it's been a weird, you know, kind of 72 plus hours as a Browns fan. Yeah, I, uh, I 100% agree with that sentiment. I want to get to the kind of emotional aspect and, and hear what you've yeah. heard from fans and all that stuff in a minute. But let's let's first focus. I, I've been trying to kind of compartmentalize it into the two different aspects. So let's first talk about the the, the football implications. Yeah. What did you think of the, the compensation that the Browns gave up for Watson? And in general, I guess the move to upgrade at quarterback. Let's start there. What did you think about you know the the move to to upgrade at quarterback, the the pursuit in the first place uh, of Watson, and kind of the uh, I guess clear end to the relationship with Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker made the trade request yeah. before even this Deshaun Watson trade had happened. Um, so full fully in on the move to go you know upgrade the quarterback position i think that as a gm as a front office ownership whatever if you're not trying to make the team better then what are you doing um and you know you can get in the whole thing of like did they do baker wrong this that and the other and look at the end of the day it's a business and if you aren't performing you're going to there you know the team is going to look to replace you and you can point to a lot of things that went wrong for the browns last year henry but the quarterback was certainly one of them. And 
you know, I, I still go back to the fact that I don't think that the Bengals really had a better roster than the Browns. And we saw the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. They were better than the Browns at a couple posi- couple positions, right? Quarterback, wide receiver. Um, and, and that means something. Uh, so the Browns go out, they, you know, the whole Amari Cooper move, they, they already addressed that. Um, and then so it was, well, what, what are we going to do with the quarterback? Can we really run it back with Baker? Um, you know, I'd kind of known for a while that they had been looking to upgrade that position. I didn't know how heavily they were involved. They were with this whole Deshaun Watson thing. Um, you know, I, I'd kind of talked myself into Jimmy Garoppolo. I, you know, one of those guys, uh, a Kirk Cousins type. I, I thought that was going to be the type of guy that they were going to pursue, maybe even a Matt Ryan. Um, so I was all in favor of upgrading that position, Henry. I just didn't expect it to come from Deshaun Watson. Me neither. Me neither. I, you know, I, I had taken the position that I thought Baker was going to be the starter because, you know, what else was out there, I guess. I, right. I had not sold myself I, uh, as much on Jimmy Garoppolo. I was like, it seems like Derek Carr is stuck in, in Las Vegas. So, so what are the Browns really going to do? I mean, now we know Matt Ryan uh, was obviously, you know, uh, uh, available, though that may not have happened until after the Watson pursuits as well, uh, if you read into some of the reporting there. So, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty surprised uh, about Watson as well. But, you know, again, I think from an on the field perspective, it's a clear upgrade. Uh, I yeah. even when Baker Mayfield was at his peak in, in 2020, uh, you know, I was of the, I was battling Browns fans. And I think we even had some discussions on here about that. Watson was still the better quarterback uh, at that time. You know, he obviously didn't play last year and Baker had you know, a, a tough season with the injury, but I, I've always thought Watson was a better quarterback on the field. I think knowing what we know now, it, that's, you know, that's probably even more true in terms of what we watched on the field with Baker last season. Uh, I thought the compensation too was also, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, three first round picks, yeah. yes, is a lot, but no players involved, no Kareem Hunt, no cornerbacks that had been bandied about. You know, some some day two picks, I, I I know as well, but to not give up any players, I mean, to me, as you mentioned, I think this is a Super Bowl caliber roster. I thought it was a Super Bowl caliber roster last year. I think it's going to be one again this year. And you at least, you know, have to have somebody at the quarterback position that puts you in the mix. And I don't think Baker was really that guy, at least from a consistent uh, perspective. You know, if you catch lightning in the bottle, you know, two years ago, everybody was healthy. Baker played at his ceiling. And the Browns were right there. But that happening again and again in an AFC that's much stronger than it was two years ago, to me, felt pretty unlikely. So I thought from a, a football perspective, the mood made, made sense if you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And I thought from a compensation perspective, I actually thought the Browns got kind of a good deal here. Yeah. Um, so from the football perspective, too, and you look at the AFC and kind of the gauntlet of the quarterbacks that all of a sudden are in the AFC, right? We're talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, just AFC West. And of course, Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen. And then you put Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's right in there with anyone. I mean, this is a guy that led the league in passing two seasons ago, Henry. I, I really think from a football standpoint, a legitimate argument could be made that this is the best quarterback the Browns have ever had. I, I really do think that that's possible. I, I would listen to that argument. I think that he's going to make some plays that really just leave us wild, um, jaw drops. Uh, there are going to be some things that he does at First Energy Stadium when he does finally get on the field that we just, quite frankly, haven't seen from a Browns quarterback, um, certainly in my lifetime. Um, so from that perspective, yeah, it's a clear upgrade. And I think you are a real Super Bowl contender. Obviously, we'll get into the fact of like, you know, is he going to miss games? How many games is he going to miss? And that kind of thing. But looking at him with him on this roster, and of course, you know, I still don't think the Browns are done in free agency and even the Watson thing of like, hey, does Clowney all of a sudden resign now? Like there's that aspect to it as well. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield was drawing free agents to Cleveland. I think Deshaun Watson has the uh, ability to kind of, you know, have some guys around the league look at it and be like, hey, I want to go play with that guy. I, I do think that's a real thing. So clear upgrade roster standpoint, possibility of future uh, roster additions and in the quarterback room. Talk about the compensation. I, I come out on it a little bit different, I guess, than you. Um, you know, I, get, I, I support it from the standpoint of, like I said, go all in. Uh, we've seen it work for the Bucks. We've seen it work for the Rams. 
they kind of said, screw the draft. We don't need these draft picks. Give us guys that can win right now. I have respect that approach. I've been an advocate of that approach, but it is a lot, right? Um, and we even found out yesterday that it was actually even more than uh, we originally had, had thought, um, right? So it's going to be a first and a third next year, and then I think a first and a fourth the following year, and then, of course, the first the year after that as well, and then I think like a sixth or a seventh sprinkled in there. It's a lot of draft compensation, and, um, you know, Andrew Barry's proven nothing that he's, uh, he's been good in the draft, so it's, it's tough to look at it from that perspective. But at the end of the day, the Browns went all in. They got the quarterback that they believe can lead them to where they want to go. And I think at the end of the day, Henry, that kind of trumps everything else. Yeah, I just look at it from the perspective of, hey, you look at what it took for, you know, the 49ers to move up in the draft to take Trey Lance. You look at what, you know, Russell Wilson went for as far as compensation. You look at all those things and you factor in Watson's age and his ability on the field. To me, you know, that part, I, I thought to not give up any players on this roster currently is, is, is a win for this, this front. Line. What did you think about the $230 million guaranteed? Um, of course, that's $80 million more than yeah. Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers broke that record a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so this was the crazy part, and which is what I wanted to get to next. Um, I think it's an overpay as far as his contract. Uh, I we, we've just spent a lot of time uh, praising Deshaun Watson's football abilities for, for a reason. He is a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure he quite breaks into that like top, top tier. I, well, I would say, in fact, he does not break into that top, top tier of like Mahomes, Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Like I would say he's kind of right in that next shell. I, I think he still um, can though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. because of his age, you would say, right. Hey, and, and let's not pretend like the ecosystem around him in, te- in, in Houston was all that good as far as the, the offensive line, the players, the play calling, uh, you know, all those things. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think so as far as the contract, yeah, it's insane. Uh, but it's also the reason the Browns got Deshaun Watson. Like, let's not exactly. like, yeah. let's not. I, and I keep seeing this too with like the, the $1 million, uh, you know, uh, base salary for this next year. Like, why do Browns fans think the Browns got Deshaun Watson? They were told no. And then they were told it, yes. And it's because of the contract that they get. It's funny because I've had so many people, friends, you know, people on Twitter ask me like, what, like what changed his mind? And I was like, money, money changed his mind. They offered him, they gave him a deal essentially that he couldn't turn down. That's what happened. Yeah. It, it became a deal that was, was they, they, bought, he said, yes. know, they, yeah. they, they and, kind of did. And uh, you know, as from the on field perspective, it, there are not a lot of quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls, uh, you know, making this kind of money. But at the same time, you know, I think people are caught up in the in the the guaranteed money when I think ultimately from a cap perspective, these things can be worked around uh, slash, you know, if you look at the the impact it's going to have on, on the Browns cap situation. I, I'm not too concerned that it's going to affect it any more than any other franchise quarterback that, that is out there, the Josh Allens, the Mahomes of the world that are also making a lot of money. And didn't Mahomes already restructure or like rework some part of his contract? Like, I mean, he sent that crazy contract yeah. a couple of years ago and we're all like, holy crap, we've never seen a contract like this. And I'm pretty sure they've already since like reworked some things to make it, you know, more team friendly. Yeah, there, there are way it look now some of those ways also involve, you know, paying the piper down the, the, the road, so to speak, uh, as far as you do eventually, you know, the bills do come due. We're seeing that with the saints now who did that for years with breeze. We are seeing it with the Falcons and Matt Ryan, but I, I trust that the Browns front office is creative enough that they will draft and add on the fringes well enough that this will not be, you know, a huge, huge factor, but also let's call it for what it is. And I think this is the reason they were so, you know, one of the reasons at least they were so keen on upgrading is, this seems a Super Bowl roster right now, like today. And, and as much as you want to think three, four years down the line, like these windows do not last forever. Players get old, careers are short in the NFL. Like this is not going to last for that long. The Browns had to capitalize on the window now. And, you know, for once, it, 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 the Browns said, you know, in five years, be damned. Like uh, we'll figure it out then. And, and I do think, again, from an on the field perspective, that's the right way to approach it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so everything that they've done, you know, in the past couple of years has told me that like, you know, they're trying to win, trying to win, but I just hadn't seen like a full all like go in move, you know, move that all the chips in on the table. And I think this was that 
Um, so it, it's, it's going to be exciting from an on the field standpoint for sure. Um, you know, and then you talk about the, the Browns even put in that safety blanket, right? I mean, the other quarterback move that they made was, uh, Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. and they signed him to the one year deal. So I think that, you know, the way that the contract, uh, the way that you talked about, uh, mentioned earlier, you know, the $1 million this next year uh, and what that does really is kind of protects the Browns from having to pay a guy who might not be playing. So I, I think that, you know, all signs are kind of leading to an, a suspension of some sort. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they are able to, you know, stay afloat with Jacoby Brissett. But I think Jacoby Brissett is a more than serviceable backup when you talk about putting him with this team, with that run game, with that offensive line, with this defense, and kind of maybe maybe four games you say, hey, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to be very clear about something before I say it. I do not believe this, but I am certain that there are very smart NFL people that believe Jacoby Brissett is a better NFL quarterback or as good as Baker Mayfield. Yes. And See, I think I, that the Browns, the, the Browns think at least they can get uh, a, a couple wins out of Jacoby Brissett if needed when Deshaun Watson is suspended. So do you, you don't think so? Because I look, I, I don't think necessarily think so either when you're talking about is Brissett better than Baker, but the fact that it's even a question or kind of up for debate kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't believe that. Um, I think the, the, the Baker hate has gone too far, and I do want to <laughs> get into that in more detail in a bit. But uh, I do think Jacoby Brissett, as you mentioned, is a very serviceable backup. I think he makes a ton of sense in Kevin Stefanski's system. If you've watched Brissett, uh, you know, that, that he could get some things done here. And then I think the, the, the real interesting thing will be, you know, how does Deshaun Watson, you know, all, you know, I guess – uh, integrate himself into this system with Kevin Stefanski and how does Stefanski adapt, you know, coming back from that suspension, you know, you know, typically you're not allowed around the team. He will be able to, you know, go through the off season with them, but that'll be another question I think is, Hey, there are going to have to be some adjustments, you know, on both sides. This is a new scheme for Deshaun Watson. And this is a whole new ball game for Kevin Stefanski. I mean, the Browns have ranked in the bottom of the league in pass attempts the last couple of years. That is not going to be the case with Deshaun Watson next year. I promise you that. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, I think that the Browns and Kevin Stefanski are comfortable with what they can get from Deshaun Watson in this scheme. Uh, I go back to the uh, Jason Lloyd uh, article in The Athletic where he talked about, you know, during the Browns meeting with Deshaun Watson, like they spent hours with Stefanski in the room watching film, basically went as far as to say is like, hey, we believe you're a guy that can make these plays, um, showing them the offense from last year. So I think that they're without question comfortable with him in the scheme. The one thing that I think is going to be a huge difference from this year um, to last year, I think there's a good shot that, you know, if, if Watson plays 12, 10, 12 games, I think there's a really good chance that Nick Chubb, uh, like that's a good bet to, to win the NFL rushing title this year because what defenses could do to him last year you're not going to be able to do to him with Deshaun Watson back there. Uh, We saw 10, 11 man boxes at times last year, Henry saying, please, I dare you. I dare you to try and beat us with our, with your arm and throwing the ball. Well, Watson can do that. And not only can he do that, he can get outside, break containment and run for 60 yards on you. So I think Nick Chubb is a guy that, you know, I haven't heard a lot of talk about it, but when you talk about in this system, guys that are going to thrive with Watson back there, I think you start with Nick Chubb. I agree that I think Nick Chubb's going to have a much easier life with Deshaun Watson. I would push back on the rushing title because I don't think he's getting the number of attempts that he's gotten in previous years. Again, yeah. I think the Browns are about to throw the ball a lot more. Uh, and I think we, the Browns fans are going to see a different offense to a degree than they've seen in previous years. Now, I do think, you know, you, you, you think about the staples of this offense as far as play action game. Uh, as far as bootlegs and picturing Deshaun Watson in that, as opposed to Baker Mayfield, you can see that there's some, you know, really attractive components as far uh, as his abilities and how they would fit with what Stefanski likes to do. Uh, but I, I, I also just think, as you mentioned, he led the league in passing yards. Like you don't get that from uh, right. not attempting a lot of passes. So that's the only thing uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, as I said, I think they're going to be, have to be adjustments on both sides of, of things. Watson's going to have a better offensive line than he had for, for the vast majority of his time in Houston. 
He's going to have to to work, you know, with new receivers as well. We'll see. You know, there's some interest from Will Fuller in the Browns apparently, but you know, if Jarvis Landry is coming back, Amari Cooper is now in the fold. He's got some new connections to work on too. You know that that he did not have to really do in in Houston because he had DeAndre Hopkins the whole time. Yeah, and I I would be. You mentioned Will Fuller. I would be very very much down for that move. Uh, I think he kind of established a deep ball connection with Watson in Houston and look, I mean, for how many years in a row have we been talking about the Browns not having a deep threat not being able to move the ball down the field in the passing game? I think Will Fuller could unlock that with what he has with Watson. I'm fine with Will Fuller. I mean, I mean, he doesn't stay healthy, but he know. just, he doesn't play. Yeah. Like he just doesn't play. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Like I feel like everybody knows it at this point. Like Will Fuller, when he plays is the exact, you know, Deshaun Watson-esque or Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson-esque, like yeah. pure vertical threat in the NFL. Uh, he doesn't play. And so if they sign him, I'll be like, cool. If he's there in the playoff games, great. If not, get six games oh, out well. of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's how I feel. And I, I do think the Browns will make uh, another move or two in that receiver room, uh, you know, with the draft, with free agency. I think their work there is far from done. What, Real quick, what do you think of the, the Amari Cooper trade as well? Uh, also very much down for that. Uh, like you basically gave up what was a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper at the end of the day, because I believe you swapped six round picks mm-hmm. with the Cowboys. So I mean, anytime you can get a guy that I mean, I think he's had four or five thousand yard, uh, you know, years in his career. We haven't. I mean, you go back to a couple of years ago. I guess the Browns had a couple thousand yard wide receivers, barely. But I mean, you just haven't had a guy that you can really rely on. I know Amari Cooper at times has been disappointing, but I think he's a guy that at least has the talent to be a number one wide receiver. And I don't think you could say that about the Browns wide receiving room last year. In fact, you definitely couldn't say that. Um, so it's a clear upgrade there. Um, but I still think that that wide receiver room needs work. Um, you know, I, I'm not totally confident going into a season with Amari Cooper, uh, DPJ Schwartz, um, like as your guys, I still think you need to make another move. You mentioned maybe, you know, second round of the draft, something like that. Maybe that's the route they go. Maybe they add another free agent wide receiver. Maybe Jarvis comes back. You know, you you never know, but I still think that that wide receiver room needs work, but definitely a good, if not great start with Amari Cooper. Yeah. uh, We had talked about this in our preliminary draft conversations when I was saying, and free agency conversations where I was saying the Browns need to do something here uh, is because it's a lot to ask a, a first round wide receiver to come in and, and be the number one wide receiver in, in a room. Right. Uh, there have been some guys that have done it, but it's a lot to ask, even if you're taking a guy yeah. at 13. And so you get a guy like Amari Cooper in he's, as you mentioned, he's not a, he's not a clear top 10 wide receiver, you know, for sure. Number one guy, he's a lower end number one guy. He's probably slightly overpaid for that, but he's consistent. He's productive. He's a guy that you can rely on, uh, for very solid production. And then hopefully you can add upon that somewhere else with another free agent, with a draft guy. But like, he's somebody you get in there and it's like, okay, we've got this problem solved to some degree, right? Like this is not right. going to be a disaster. We don't have the Packers situation. We don't have the Falcons situation right now. Like that is not happening to this Browns team. Like we've got somebody here that's like a reliable, if needed, number one option that, you know, every Sunday that goes out there, he plays for the most part. He's pretty healthy and, and produces pretty consistently. And so I, I was on board for it. I think he's, it's a slight overpay as far as his contract. I thought the, the, the draft pick compensation was nothing. So I you see, know, I, I thought system. the same, I thought the same. And then you look at like what Christian Kirk got in free agency. And then you're kind of like, are you really overpaying for Mari Cooper? You know, I, I don't really know. Um, so I get it from that standpoint, but the thing that like I went to first, right. I mean, it's just the fact that like you gave up almost nothing to get him. Um, I mean, again, the Browns aren't going to have much of a draft this year with the Watson trade that they made, but I mean, they have two additions that we just talked about, right. In Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson, and you haven't lost anyone. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you go to the Jarvis and, and those kind of things, maybe Clowney. Um, although I think there's a good chance that Clowney comes back, but you've added some guys and you haven't lost talent. You've lost draft picks. And again, I think that goes back to the win now mentality of this team. Yeah. I, I, again, I think draft picks are great in theory and they are how you build teams in, in the long run. We've seen Andrew Barry do a good job adding pieces uh, with them, but they're not proven commodities. They could also end up not helping your team this season. We yeah, That happens all the time. And so 
Uh, I'm, I'm for getting the certainty of Cooper, especially again, at a position that was just such a dire need. I think they, as you brought up at one point, it feels like everybody had the Browns mocks taking a receiver because it was like, it's such a problem that they, they have to take yeah. a receiver. <laughs> like they're the, you know, no best player available here, which now I think, you know, in the second round, they'll, they'll have some freedom no matter what. Uh, and I think this offense is going to be extremely potent. I saw, you know, uh, a national correspondent say he expects to have the Browns to have a top five offense next year. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I definitely think they'll be top 10 and uh, I, well, I and, expect it to perform. I mean, Henry, there was a point in time last year where you and I were sitting on this podcast, like, man, we'll be lucky to score 17 points this week. Right. I mean, like that was, just, that was just reality yeah. at, at some point. And I don't think at any point we're going to have that question about this offense this year. And, you know, you're going to get an, another year out of JOK. Um, some of these guys, you know, that, that, you know, the Greg Newsome, you know, you're going to get a, you know, he's a year older in the NFL now, uh, Denzel Ward, all of these guys, like you're bringing back basically majority of that defense that was so successful last year and upgrading a couple spots on this offense. I mean, it's going to be night and day in terms of offense. And that was the major issue with his team last year. So, I mean, who knows where that can go, man. We will, we will wait and see, and we will have plenty of time to discuss that, Jordan. I want to also hear, uh, because I, I, I've been on social media, I've heard from my friends, but I want to hear kind of the, because you're in Cleveland, yeah. about the reaction uh, of the, the off-the-field stuff to Deshaun Watson and what, you know, both your own individual take, uh, if you have thoughts, I know you mentioned you're still not quite sure how you feel, and then, you know, what... Uh, the, the reaction has been from Cleveland fans in general on the ground there. Um, so real quick, just kind of my thoughts, like I said, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I've seen some people denounce their Browns fandom. I can't sit here and tell you that I'm not going to be a Browns fan anymore because of this. I just can't have been a Browns fan my whole life. And I'm going to be a Browns fan long after Deshaun Watson is playing for the Browns. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that I'm not going to be a fan, but at the same time, Henry, it's, you know, it's definitely, a, it's definitely harder to be a fan. You know, I think both, I think two things are true that you can say, right. I think did the Browns get better as a football team? Yes. They got a lot better, but did it get a lot harder to root for the Browns? Yeah, I think it did. I, I think both those things can be true. I think both those things are true. And the other thing I want to say about this too, is that, like, this is, I think that, you know, I've heard so many mixed messages, you know, getting into the whole fan side of the thing. You know, we've heard from Eddie SPN Cleveland. We've heard from female Browns fans. We've heard from male Browns fans. We've heard from young Browns fans, old Browns fans. Right. And it's kind of a mixed message. You know, a lot of people say it's, a, it's really hard to root for the Browns right now. You know, people calling in saying they can't envision their, you know, daughter or wife or whoever wearing a Deshaun Watson jersey. And I agree with those people. You know, I think that you can be still be a Browns fan and, you know, you don't have to wear a Deshaun Watson jersey. You don't have to root for Deshaun Watson. Um, so it's been a lot of mixed messages, but I think the most important thing is for Browns fans, Browns Twitter, like, like just respect everyone's individual opinion on this. You know, it, it, people don't have to be up in arms about this, you know, going at each other's throats over one side of the argument. Just listen to what someone has to say and respect their opinion because everyone is going to feel different about this and everyone is entitled to their own feelings about this. We're talking about moral beliefs at this point, right? We're not talking about football. We're talking about what you believe from a moral and morality standpoint. So I think everyone's going to have different beliefs in that. And I think you have to respect everyone's beliefs, Henry, but it's very, very split. Um, and I think that as time goes on, as we're going to see with a lot of this, I think the people that said that they weren't rooting for the Browns anymore, the reality of the situation is I think when the, you see the Browns winning on Sundays, you're going to be rooting for the Browns, right? And I think we ran a poll last week when all of this stuff started to come about before the Browns were officially rolled out, Henry, and it was like, would you welcome Deshaun Watson to the Browns? And it was, you know, simple yes or no. I think it was 52-48 yes to no pretty much split down the middle, right? We ran that same poll yesterday. And I kid you not, it was 93-7, yes. So, wow. yeah. So it, I think that one of these, it's one of those things where, you know, and it's kind of disgusting in itself, but like people start to forget about things as time goes on. And we probably shouldn't, but that's just kind of how these things work. 
So like I said, just be respectful to everyone's opinion. Everyone's allowed to have their own opinion on this. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and tell anyone how to be a Browns fan, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good approach. Um, I, 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 I said a, a somewhat similar message uh, on the podcast immediately after the trade as well as I was trying to process it. I mean, it's, uh, it goes back to kind of the idea of, of can you, you know, root for the, the laundry, so to speak, uh, of, of the of the jersey rather than the specific team? You know, can you separate art from artists, that kind of thing that, that everybody yeah. makes their own decisions on in life? I think, you know, from a personal standpoint, uh, I, I think it's uh, it's weird because on one hand, yes, you have no control over what the Browns do, and that is kind of part of the the bargain when you sign up as a fan but also as you mentioned the and for me in particular you know the the Browns have been a a central part of my identity for a large part of my life I I was talking with some friends today and I was like no about 90 percent of the conversations I have with my extended family are about Cleveland sports and most of those are about the Browns uh and I mean that's how I've bonded with my cousins my aunts my uncles grandparents and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of, of Browns fans is that it's not, you know, it, yes, it's rooting for a team, but it's also kind of this generational thing that becomes kind of a rallying cry, a bonding point, particularly with this franchise where there has, I mean, there are, there are very few people alive that remember the Browns winning anything in the NFL. So it's been a, a rallying point, I think, for the city uh, in, in general in terms of its resilience and all of those things. And, and this puts a damper on that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think, as you said, if, if somebody chooses to leave Browns fandom, I certainly wouldn't judge them. If they say the opposite, they say, hey, you know, I'm I'm comfortable rooting for the team at this point, knowing what we know. I, I'm not going to judge them either. And I think ultimately, you know, I'm going to fall in the same camp as them because I, I just don't see how I can go in another direction. Uh, you want to say that, you know, that's, you know, Perhaps you know somewhat due to the fact that I you know I, I'm I'm privileged as a guy to to not have to you know uh, I guess for those thoughts not to cross my mind as much you're probably right um, but it, it, at the same time it's just one of those things that I can, as you mentioned I can't get I just can't give up like it, it, in that quick of a sense and the other thing I would say is this is that the thing that bums me out the you know. Uh, uh, a lot is that no matter what happens with the Browns now, this will, will have a mark on it, right? Like if the yep. Browns succeed, people will reference uh, Deshaun Watson. It will be a central part of the story. He is the, like, this is not a backup guard. This is not an offensive tackle. This is not a running back. This is the quarterback of the team. Like if the Browns were, you know, in a world where Deshaun Watson wasn't the quarterback, if the Browns win the Super Bowl, hell even make it to the Super Bowl, the focus would be entirely about the city of Cleveland, about the pain and suffering of the fans for the last, you know, 50 plus, however many years it's been since the Browns have won. I don't want to look it up right now. And the reality is if that happens now, that's not going to be the case. And that sucks. That sucks. Is that it is going to take the, the focus to a much more negative place. Uh, and it, and it should, but at the same time, as somebody that's been a fan of the team before Watson, as you said, and will be one long after that's just going to be a cloud that hangs over it. And that part sucks. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, the term that the Browns sold their soul, so to speak for Super Bowl. How would you respond to that? Um, I guess I, I would respond by saying, I think the Browns, that they feel, <laughs> I would say that they feel they didn't do that. Uh, as far as I, you know, we all know Jimmy Haslam, but I think, you know, D Haslam is a central figure as well uh, in this organization. For those that have spent time around the team, know that, uh, that the D Haslam. Yeah, they're, they're dual owners, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not, it's, it's G and D and Jimmy Haslam as the owners of the Browns. Yeah. And they collectively, uh, you know, I guess felt comfortable uh, with it in that I mean, the winning the Super Bowl part is a whole other scenario that we probably, I mean, we'll, we'll see if that ultimately ends up happening. They felt comfortable with it. And the reality is, is that was their moral judgment to make and not ours. And we don't have any control over it. Uh, I, I would say that the people that say that are not entirely wrong either uh, from my yeah. perspective, but that's my perspective. I'm guessing the, the, the Browns don't feel that way. Uh, the other thing too is, you know, assuming that that Deshaun Watson and his representation follow through with what they claim, which is that they're going to fight these civil suits, 
We are going to find out more about this situation than, than mm -hmm. what is currently known. Uh, I would say, uh, from my perspective, currently, based on what I've read and what I know, the odds of, of all 22 women lying are extremely remote and not something I am probably going to just jump in and fullheartedly believe. Uh, I know some Browns fans have done that, as you can see uh, on social media. I'm not going to be one of them. I probably won't. I'm almost certainly am never going to be one of them. Uh, but I, I would say there's still uh, more facts to come out as well that will, you know, potentially influence how people feel about this situation uh, as a whole. Yeah. And I think this is the perfect way to sum it up is, you know, in the business that we're in, Henry, like that should have been. Like, you know, I referenced earlier in the show, like that news broke during, you know, our uh, my radio show back here in Cleveland. And like that should have been a moment where we were popping champagne bottles, doing cartwheels, you know, backflips, celebrating the Browns, getting arguably, as I mentioned, arguably the best quarterback in franchise history, making probably the biggest trade in franchise history. And you couldn't celebrate it. So I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know and how weird of a situation this is. You know, I go back to the night that where the Browns traded for Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, there were news stories of people getting noise complaints because they were out partying, you know, out, outside screaming, go Browns chance, we're going on on the streets. That sh this move should have been that times 10. And it wasn't. And it can't be. And it shouldn't be. So, again, I just think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about how, like I said, weird of a situation this is. I, I, I didn't celebrate it at first. I was no, you pondering my emotions for 40 yeah. hours, you know, longer. But it, 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 so I think that's 100% right. It's a, it's a weird situation to be in. There's, there, there's no doubt about that. And as I said, I think this, there's going to be, this is not over as far as we're going to find out more. There's going to in all likelihood be a suspension at some point that will then bring this back up into the conversation. And I don't think it's necessarily going to end anytime soon. No, I, I, like you mentioned, I, it seems like this is going to go the distance, right? Because I think Deshaun already had the opportunity to kind of, you know, put some money out there, have an NDA signed and that kind of be the end of this, but he's not going to, he wants, you know, he's claimed his innocence throughout this. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I don't think that this is a situation or a topic that is going to die down uh, anytime soon. So, yeah, like you said, this is kind of just the start of it um, and kind of by default doing what we do. We're along for the ride. So, I mean, I guess we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will see where it goes. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I do, Jordan, also want to talk yeah. about the Baker Mayfield situation. Uh, Oh. Let's. I haven't talked to you in a while, so let's rewind a little bit to the, I guess, you know, the, the beginning of the end as far as, it, you know, it seems like the Browns are, are ready to move on. Baker then demands a, a, a trade. I, I phrased it on the podcast because I'd actually, we recorded an emergency podcast after Baker requested a trade. Uh, I recorded one with Peter Moses, and then ironically, Watson got traded about 12 hours later, and so that podcast was yeah. less relevant, uh, but uh, I, I called it Baker Mayfield was breaking up with like the girl that was going to break up with him and he saw it coming. So he just did it first. Yep. But, you know, 
What did you make of all the reporting that was out there, Baker making the trade demand, and now, you know, to where we are right at this moment, which is he's technically still on the team, but everybody knows that the Browns are going to be moving him. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of good riddance. Um, that was kind of my take on this, right? I mean, just seeing wow. everything that had came out, knowing – I here's the thing, Henry. I, I'm not going to report anything on this podcast, but I think all of this stuff is going to come out eventually – um, he soured a lot of relationships in, the, in that building over the, over the past, not just this year, the past couple of years, uh, this thing had been boiling for a while. And I think it kind of exploded with how be- bad and poorly things went this year. Um, you know, I still, to this day, um, you know, sitting here at nine twenty six Eastern time on, on a Tuesday, I still haven't seen any a single Browns player that was on the team last year come out in support of Baker Mayfield on Twitter. Um, and I can rewind to the Super Bowl, everything Odell's done. Uh, you know, it seemed like every single player on this team was out there tweeting about it. I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, I even saw DK Metcalf, who's on the Seahawks, come to the defense of Drew Locke, um, and they have never even played a snap together on Twitter and I haven't seen a single Browns player do that for Baker. So I, I think that kind of tells you all you need to know with where he stands, um, his standing in the locker room. I was kind of under the belief, Henry, uh, Henry. And I, I kind of, you know, I might've been saying this, you know, more so, you know, more bullish on this than you or some of the people, other people that I talked to, but I, I really thought that at the end of the day, Baker wasn't really going to be the Browns quarterback this year. Um, you know, I, I know it made a lot of sense at, at points to be like, well, what other option is there? But I just think things have been a lot worse inside that organization regard, in, regarding his standing with ownership, uh, the front office and players in that locker room to the point of like, are we really going to try and do this again um, type thing? So I, I, I wasn't sur- I was surprised that, you know, it, it got to this so quickly, but I'm not surprised at the end of the day, really, that there's going to, that this breakup is, is going to happen right now. Um, again, and, and you, if you're looking at it from the Browns perspective, we talked about it earlier, earlier in this podcast, right, of all of the teams in the AFC that got better at the quarterback position while we were standing there with the same guy that we kind of had shortcomings with. Um, so, you know, I, I think that kind of played into the move as well. And Baker obviously didn't like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of he said, she said type thing going on with, uh, you know, reports were that his camp was made aware. They talked at the combine, right? They talked at the draft combine and told him that they were going to try and pursue a top tier level quarterback. And I think that it was when he finally decided, like, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. And, you know, since reports have came out that he was willing to make it as uncomfortable as possible, that he was willing to sit out mini camp, training camp, et cetera. Um, so I think when you hear messages like that from a player, I, it's not a good situation. He didn't want to be in this locker room, and I don't think people in that locker room wanted him back. So at the end of the day, like, what could you really have done? Yeah, I think, you know, if it was just the poor play, if it was just the with the injury and everything else that happened this season, I do think Baker Mayfield would have been the quarterback of this team come next season. Uh, I think what's been clear, uh, you know, afterward, and, and we certainly heard rumblings of it during the season and after the season from uh, many different sources, including Mary Kay, who got absolutely just, you know, destroyed for that. At the and, time. And, and, I, and, shout, and shout out to her, by the way, who's been on the money with all of this reporting from day one. Yeah. I didn't mean Which, to interrupt, but I, I wanted to say that. Yeah. And, and I came on this podcast after uh, Mary Kay's reporting initially. And I said, Hey, go look at her track record. Like, Whatever you think of Mary Kay, and I certainly have some qualms with her and uh, some of the work she's done in the past, but when it comes to reporting on the team, her track record is pretty fantastic. Like, she does not mess this stuff up. Uh, and so it, she she ended up being being right there, I think. You know, let's uh, you know call for what it is. Colin Cowherd ultimately ended up being right here, about the, <laughs> which pains me to say, and I'm sure pains many Browns fans who, who fought with him over the years about this, but it was clearly more than the football. Right. It was if it, you know, if it was just that, if it was just the issues with Stefanski and the play calling, if it was just some relationships in the locker room, if it was just, you know, one thing or the other, you know, maybe he comes back. But you add it all up 
And it's like, okay, clearly they were tired of him, right? Like you don't get reports of him be, you know, them saying they want an adult in the room like that. Like that is a damning, damning quote to put out in the media. And there are only, you know, certain people that that are putting that quote out to Chris Mortensen and where he's actually reporting it. I think we both know who put that quote out. Yeah. I think everybody in the world does. uh, But you know, it's, it's pretty clear that the Browns were sick and tired of this. And in that it, and as you said, we've all heard the stories too. You know, if you've been around the team, you know, anybody reporting on the team about the locker room, not liking Baker Mayfield. And Hey, even if you're a fan, even if you haven't heard any of those stories, do the quick math here about the fact that Jarvis Landry was going to leave the Browns. And then all of a sudden Baker Mayfield has gone into Sean Watson's back. And, and now, and now the reports that Jarvis Landry wants to come back to the team, like thinking if everybody can put two and yeah. two together here. Like this is not rocket science at this point. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'm going to go back. I, I just want to say this, have this on the record. I've been on this from day one in terms of, I'm going to go all the way back to the Jay Glazer report. I've been on it from day one. I was on it the second it happened, how weird that Mm -hmm. was, how awful that was and how that was going to change his standing in the locker room. And not only in the locker room, but in the front office, Henry, look at the NBA. Um, The NBA is, you know, it's not written into the CBA that you have to disclose the medical information when it comes to an injury of the player. And, you know, Jared Allen is a player that's hurt on the Cavs right now. And he's been hurt for about three weeks and there hasn't been one single update on him. Teams are free to come out and put out that information if they want to, but they don't for a very obvious reason. And in the NFL, it's the same thing, except they are required to put out an injury report every week. Um, So the Browns wanted to keep that injury on the wraps. Baker wanted a new contract, whether it was going to be here elsewhere. He wanted to have a justification for the reason that his play was slipping. He went to Jay Glazer as a direct source on that report and put out essentially just gave him his medical records. Right. I mean, that's kind of what mm-hmm. happened there. That I think was the final straw. You know, we have seen in reports, whether it be from Lloyd, whether it be from Mary Kay Cabot, Grossy, whoever, um, you know, the Browns were quoted basically saying that they would have conversations with Baker and his team. And shortly thereafter, all of a sudden those conversations weren't private anymore. And it's not the ownership, it's not the front office that's putting that stuff out there in the media. I think we know who it is. And so if that's the case, you lose a level of trust, you lose a competitive advantage, you lose, you know, how about the guys that, you know, like the Jarvis and, and, and these other guys, the J.C. Treader, who hasn't practiced in like three years, played her every week, you never heard about an injury. It's not rocket science, you know. I, then that's why I was, you know, I got people at my throat on Twitter about like reading too much into something like that, but I wasn't, you know, I think that was really the moment that you could look back to this and be like, that was it. You know, you go back to the Duke Johnson stuff a couple of years ago, that was the start of it. And then it kept boiling, boiling, boiling to the Jay Glazer report. And then it was kind of to a point of no return. Yeah. And I think it, it definitely was it, the, the player side of things. It, it seems in particular, they were just infuriated by that it, 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 from everything all, all the morsels out there of information. It just seems like that's that really you, you see, the players you see through it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do a show with an NFL player who won three Super Bowls every day. And he talks about players in the locker room are not stupid. Like they knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. And you look at that guy's fake after that. That's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. I think at that point, yeah, you look at it. it, it it's uh, we talked about it the day you know the podcast after what happened. It's like who does that serve? It's self-serving. It's entirely yeah. self-serving for Baker Mayfield, and I think that's a a tough thing to come back from. And then you I, brought it. Go ahead. I I do want to say I I said that that was the final straw, and I might have I was probably mistaken on that. The final straw was the last week of the season when he went on in a press conference after they got their ass kicked by the Steelers on Monday night. And basically came out and I mean, not basically came out. He word for word said, I now I need to consider what's best for me. And we hear Jarvis came out after the, after the season ended, right. Talked about how he was playing with an injury. Last time I checked Jarvis played in that game. Last time I checked JC Treader played in that game. Uh, Other banged up guys played in that game. That meant nothing. Um, So for him to opt all of a sudden, Oh, you know, I was playing her all year week seven or week 19, whatever it was. I can't play anymore when it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it tells you all you need to know, man. Yeah. And 
as you said, you know, and I was when I was talking about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as being a potential option uh, when that original trade request and emergency pod we did, I, I said, look, man, uh, you know, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is really all that much better of a quarterback than Baker Mayfield. But one thing that is clearly different is it feels like every guy in the 49ers locker room is on social media constantly defending that dude. Like, yeah. it's so overwhelming. It's obnoxious. And you're like, OK, like Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good. And his teammates are just like so over the top. It's like he's Joe Montana. It's the complete <laughs> opposite with Baker Mayfield, right? It's dead silence. And you're like, yeah. All right. Well, this is telling. Like, I, on on one hand, yes, the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff was way out of control in one direction. But if, if you contrast that with with Baker, you're you, you quickly realize uh, that if his teammates felt a certain way about him, they they probably would have been more vocal about it than they were. And, and then I think it was everybody. I mean, it's, it wasn't just the teammates. You know, the reports Haslam was. Uh, you know, the the Haslam's were fed up after the Lions game. There have been, of course, the reports about Stefanski and the, the criticisms of his play calling and the tension there. And Stefanski saying, I wasn't even aware there was tension, but apparently there's tension with my play calling that's not being communicated to me. But I think also just, you know, we, from the glimpses we get of Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski's personalities, uh, I, I certainly don't have as much insight in, into Jimmy Haslam's personality. I know, you know, he's a a, a businessman and some people talk about how he's got a little bit more fire to him, but Barry and Stefanski are these like super, you know, calm, mm -hmm. detail oriented, you know, no, never stir up anything in the media, always extremely careful with their words, kind of, you know, always putting out the fires, all that kind of stuff. And, and then you, you, you compare that to Baker Mayfield. And is it really all that surprising that they decided, hey, this isn't the guy for us? Like I heard uh, Colin Coward, uh, I was listening to a podcast with him and Mary Kay, where he said he talked to somebody close to Barry and they just said he was exhausted by the end of it with Baker Mayfield, right? Like this is like a, a highly educated, super processed, detail oriented mm. guy who's like, I got to go deal with this guy leaking medical reports, you know, all the different stuff that, that's happened over the last year and a half. And I think ultimately the Browns just were like, you know what? We're tired of this. Man. <laughs> like this doesn't fit the, the vibe, the culture that they're trying to create here. Yeah. And ultimately I think is the right move, right? I mean, you know, I get that. You know, that's the thing about this too. Like I, I, I get painted as a, a, a Baker hater and it's not even messed. I don't look, I, I have his Jersey. I was very much a Baker guy. I've done podcasts with you. I've supported him. And, See, and that's everything. funny. Cause I always thought you were more of a Baker guy than I was. Yes, <laughs> but exactly. I know that's just how the fan base operates. And you know, you just, you say one thing on Twitter and it's like all of a sudden you get painted as something. And it's just, I, I it's, it's wild to me. I think that the, you know, the, the Baker, um, you know, battles, I guess, you know, the one side being so anti-Baker and one side being pro-Baker. I think the anti-Baker side, it's not even that they don't like Baker. <laughs> I think it's that the pro-Baker people have driven them so crazy that it's like, at yeah. this point, it's like, you know, I, I think that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, but, you know, I understand. And, and at the end of the day, like, I'm thankful, right? I mean, I'm 27 years old. He gave me my only playoff win I've ever seen, my only trip to the playoffs that I've ever seen, the best year of Browns football that I ever saw. But at the same time, I'm not going to be hindered by that and in, in being like, hey, you know, he gave us, he took us to the playoffs one year, so we should be fine with being average at that position moving forward. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to win now. You got to upgrade that position when you can. And you know, the Browns front office, uh, it was play, like we talked about, it was attitude, it was maturity, all of that played into the what happened now. And I think that the Browns are better off for on the field, of course, where you can get into a whole different conversation off the field, but on the field product is a lot better for this move. Yeah, I think it is. And so ultimately, I do think, it, as you said, it's the right thing for both sides to move on. What do you make of the the subsequent reporting about Baker Mayfield's trade market or, or, or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. I mean, Adam Schefter, I think said, you know, essentially that if you think you're getting uh, a high pick for Baker Mayfield, you're sorely mistaken. Uh, there have been Henry, he was Browns. What, they they're saying, uh, you know, the Browns need to give up a draft pick to get somebody to take yeah. on his contract. I mean, what do you, what do you make of all this stuff? Adam Schefter was on our airways yesterday saying that he, a team called the Browns about Baker Mayfield and, the Browns offered them a draft pick and they were like, whoa, 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 wait, shouldn't you be giving us a draft pick if we're going to take on this 18 million? And look, here's the thing about that. I think it's a little ridiculous at this point that we're talking about a guy that, you know, 14 months ago was like 
top 10 in like QBR in the entire NFL. And Henry, how many conversations did we have about like, it was Pat Mahomes, it was Aaron Rodgers, it was Baker Mayfield. Those were like the three best QBRs, the final weeks of that uh, 2019 season or 2020 season, excuse me. And uh, so like, that was like 14 months ago. I mean, to fall, have a fall from grace to the point where you can't even find a starting job in the NFL. I think this, like we said, with the Browns, it went beyond the play on the field. I think with other teams, it goes beyond the play on the field. You know, this is a guy who has a, a decorated past, right? I mean, going all the way back to college and now in the NFL. And I think NFL locker rooms are looking at it as like, is it worth bringing in a guy like this at the price tag? And that's the other thing. I think even, it, it, I not even think, I know more so than the play on the field, which hasn't been great. It's the $18 million that he's guaranteed this year. And teams are looking at it and saying, hey, can we really justify paying this guy that we don't think is our guy pay him for one year when we can upgrade other positions for that same money, $18 million. It probably doesn't make sense. And, you know, we've seen other quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota go to the Falcons on a cheaper deal. James Winston resigns with, with the saints. Uh, there isn't much of a market for him right now. Uh, it seems like Seattle is the only possible place and they have drew lock on a, on a cheaper contract than Baker. So I, I don't know. I don't know what his next move is, Henry. Maybe it's, you know, his best bet is to go be a backup behind, you know, one of these top tier veterans for a while. And, you know, maybe he gets his chance to, you know, one of those quarterbacks that Tom Brady or someone gets hurt. He plays a couple games, has, has a solid game or two, and then reevaluates his situation next year. It's insane to think about that. That's where we're at with him, but I think that's where we are. Yeah. I think it's just, it, it, it's gotten out of hand. Like it's, on one hand, it, it, we just spent a, a fair amount of time criticizing Baker Mayfield, and I think rightfully so. But on the other hand, you mentioned in, in 2020, I think, you know, do I think Baker Mayfield was a top 10 quarterback? And I said this at the time. No, I think he was more like the 12th best quarterback down the stretch there. Uh, but at the same time, like that guy was the top half of the, the league starting level quarterback when he didn't have a torn labrum uh, the last time we saw him. And for what teams do, to get these quarterbacks like the commanders, you know, Carson Wentz is making $28 million and they just gave up multiple picks for him. Like the Panthers gave up picks for Sam Darnold last year, who has never shown the ceiling that, that Baker Mayfield has. Like there are a countless number of examples. I cannot believe the market has fallen this far for him. And I think you're right that the, the off the field stuff has to do, you know, uh, with it. And, and the contract isn't great. Again, I don't think $18 million is all that punitive either for what people spend on the quarterback position, especially when like in the names you brought up, like Baker Mayfield is, has been a better quarterback in the NFL than Marcus Mariota. He has been a better quarterback in the NFL than Jameis Winston. Like the, the, has it been, you know, consistent? Has it been without, you know, issues? No, but he has reached a higher ceiling than those guys. I don't even, I, I mentioned this to my friends the other day. Why exactly did the Texans not take him back in that deal? instead of one of those later round draft picks, like they have Davis Mills as their quarterback and they don't want another option. Like I just, I don't get it. Um, and they really signed, so they signed someone else to, um, Oh, why am I drawing a blank? It was a Taylor Heineke or they signed someone. I'll, they signed I'll someone a one year deal. Quick. Yeah. But um, again, even, to, you know, Heineke, it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but here's really the thing. I mean, we go back to the maturity thing, Henry. It's like it, are we going to bring a guy in here and pay him $18 million that we don't know how he's going to be perceived in the locker room? Like, like, you know, do you have to like for the, in the Falcons standpoint, do you think that they signed Marcus Mariota or like, Ooh, man, kind of worried about if he's going to rip the locker room apart. I don't, you know, I don't think that that's a conversation that they no. had to have at any point. And I think that plays into this. Yeah, I, I, I do think you're right. Uh, I would, here's the other problem is, I think if the Browns waited that they would get draft pick compensation for Baker and, and perhaps some reasonably significant draft pick compensation because somebody who thinks they're getting a quarterback in the draft is going to strike out, right? Somebody else is going to trade up in front of them. The guy won't be there that they want. What, you know, one of those things is going to happen. Uh, and then the reality of the NFL is somebody else is probably going to get hurt at some point. Uh, and so we've seen teams do this before where they wait on, on trading the quarterback. 
the problem is the Browns can't really do that. Number one, because Baker Mayfield's contract is sitting on their salary cap and the Browns, I'm sure, want to use that salary cap at some point uh, to sign these players that, that they're talking about pursuing. And the second thing is there is zero chance Baker Mayfield is coming into any offseason of any kind for the Browns. And I, I think they would like to have that situation resolved before they come to training camp. And so they don't have to you know, answer questions and all that. Maybe that's not the, you know, the be all end all. But as I said, the salary cap one's the more immediate concern. So they're in a tough place here. I, I honestly think somebody's going to get a hell of a buy low opportunity on Baker Mayfield, even if, it, you know, if it's a, a really, you know, a day three traffic, like that's just insane. It was Kyle Allen, by the way. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Yeah, of. exactly. Like that. Yeah, Kyle right. Allen or Baker Mayfield. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is. I know. A, I know. Drew, I mean, we're, Drew Locke. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Here? Like, I, I know that, you know, everybody's saying they're interested in Malik Willis and all that stuff. But, like, what are we talking about? Like, Drew Locke has been terrible. He was. He has. Henry, he's been terrible, but like I said, DK Metcalf is already on Twitter, like, defending yeah. this guy. I don't. I, don't <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I. Cause I look, I, I, cause I agree with you. It's insane. So it's so insane that I'm trying to dive in and figure out like, why, 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 why? And I that's the only thing I can really point to. Yeah. I, I think number one, I do think the character is part of it. Well, for, the character that, that feels a little too far maybe, but I think his, at least his relationship with the maturity, the I think is, yeah, is, maturity. is the word. Um, th- thank you. That's, that's a better way to phrase it. Uh, but also, I think it is a little bit telling too about how GMs in the league evaluate Baker Mayfield from a talent perspective, because as I mentioned, like Carson went, I did have a, a good year is statistically, but like went for a ton, but like more so Sam Darnold too, like last off season showed virtually nothing hmm. for, for his years with the jets. And still the Panthers were like, screw it. Like we see the potential, like we're, we're taking a swing. Right. There's, there's nobody saying that about Baker Mayfield. And I do think that is somewhat indicative of how GMs view his talent around the league is they're like, hey, there, there's other issues here and the upside isn't worth it. I, I think that's the second component of it is they're not seeing the upside, uh, which is why I think the upside is high enough that they should uh, make a move. But clearly the GMs don't feel that way. Yeah, 37-year-old Matt Ryan that can barely throw the ball 40 yards down the field anymore just went for a third-round draft pick. I, I, I think Matt Ryan's better than Baker Mayfield, but that's a side. I do too, but, that, but that's, you know, that we're talking about a 37-year-old going for a third-round yeah. draft pick. Who, uh, who's not cheap. I know, I know the contract details right, exactly. aren't, aren't fully on the, on the Colts there, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I just like, I, we, we see these second draft guys. I mean, what, what do we just see out of Marcus Mariota for any amount of time? That people he didn't even play last excited, year. Yeah, that are super excited about him. All of a sudden, it's just like, you wait around for a little while and people forget that like, Hey, Marcus Mariota was really bad. The last time he was an NFL starting quarterback. Like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe you take a shot on the, uh, on the guy that, that had a torn labor last year. I don't know. Uh, but it, it does certainly hurt the Browns that it doesn't seem like they're getting all yeah. back for Baker. And I'll say this too, before, uh, before we sign off, like, you know, we are so blessed. Uh, and, and I don't mean this from, you know, I mean, the, the, I don't want this to get taken the wrong way because obviously the John Watson thing is, it's pretty, it's bad stuff. It's terrible stuff. Um, but from the Browns are really from a media, a podcast of writing beat writers, all that are, they're just the gift that keeps on giving, man. I mean, <laughs> there is, there is never a time where there's nothing to talk about with this team. And that has certainly been the case over the past couple of weeks. I mean, this, the Browns have basically dominated the sports news cycle for the better part of two weeks now. And I don't think that's stopping anytime soon. So, I mean, it's what a time, man. I mean, it's, you know, for better or worse, it's, 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 it's a wild time to be covering the Browns right now. Yeah. And, and as you said I, earlier in the show, I don't think there's a, there's going to be a stoppage in terms of like, not only the Watson news, but I think free agency is still going to be pretty active for the Browns. We've yeah. got the draft coming up. I mean, the Browns have less draft picks, but they're arguably more important than ever. Uh, because they better get somebody that can help them in the second round this year. And that's a, that's a lot of pressure uh, on this front office to deliver. Now the expectations are, are just as high, if not higher than they've been in previous years. Yeah. One thing I want to say to the, uh, you know, if the chance, if there's a chance that the Browns have to eat that 18 mil for a uh, Baker um, ultimately, I think obviously, right. I mean, this is such a captain obvious statement, but it's, it's, you know, it would be better for them to be able to trade him because, I still think that their number one priority going into this offseason 
you know, was re-signing Jadavion Clowney. And, you know, there were reports that there's that two-year, $24 million offer out to him. Um, he's since been on social media welcoming Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know if he comes back, but I think that, that if you have to eat that 18 mil for Baker, I think that doesn't do anything to help you, from obviously, from a cap standpoint or, you know, what you're able to do with Clowney or some other guys because they still need to upgrade that defensive tackle position too. They do. They, they, they have roster needs to fill, which is why I do think Baker is not going to go for the price that, that, that Browns fans hope for. I think that the best they can hope for is, yeah, to get that money off their books. He thinks the seventh round pick at this point. I mean, it, I mean, it's crazy to think about that, but I think it's realistic. And I'll preface that by saying that like Case Keenum just went for a seventh round pick. I mean, so to put that into perspective. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that is. Um, I would say it, it's looking like a day three pick. Uh, right now, six, seven, something, something like that. I, I don't so crazy. think they're going to be able to get more than that. So I, again, I think that's the wrong price. I think it should be a day two pick, but uh, I just don't think that's going to happen for the Browns. I do not either. And uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen, Henry. But like I said, you know, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, you know, how hard it is to be a Browns fan and all that. And it is, it's a really weird time. We're all conflicted, but you know, from an on the field standpoint, it's, it's night and day right now for this offense. So, I mean, I'm just going to kind of go with that for now and, and, you know, we'll see where the season takes us. Yep. We'll just, uh, we'll have to see where, where things go from here. There's a lot more to, uh, to play out and Browns fans, we will talk about it on this podcast. So uh, again, I, 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 as I said, I heard from some of you, but uh, if others listening to the show want to DM their thoughts, you, you know, you, you can find me at Henry underscore Ettinger, as you know, and J underscore Climac 20, uh, for Jordan on Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll talk uh, plenty more as, as news unfolds here. And yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap the podcast here, Jordan. So that'll do it. And Browns fans, just two words for you. Until next time, go Browns.